Everybody, please take your seats. It is the service church, the church of Jerry Garcia. Everyone, please get ready. And shut up, I love it. I am Joe Cabello. I am here with... Sasha Filer, physically here in the studio with Sasha Filer. Yes. Pandemic is over, at least as far as this, this house neighborhood. As this house goes. Yeah, the, the audience, maybe they'll be able to tell sonically, maybe uh, personality-wise, maybe energy-wise, but this is the first time recording as a co-host with Sasha live in the same room. And what is this? This is Shut Up, I Love It, a podcast when we invite a guest to talk about something underrated, misrepresented, forgotten, misunderstood, anything of that sort. Joining us today, he is an expert, an SME, and my father-in-law. <laughs> Welcome, Roger Hunter. Look out, look out, the king and the man. Here he Thank you very much. Good to be here. Long time uh, listener, first time guest. Amazing. Right. You're royalty in our eyes. Mm-hmm. So I in, just want the audience to well. know that. <laughs> so audience know that royalty is here. What is an SME, Roger? And what are you an SME of? Okay, so to answer your question, SME. Oh, in the consulting world of which I used to be a part of, uh, SME is lingo for uh, subject matter expert. Wow, we got an expert today. Yeah, well, we, gotta, we don't always. Let, let me qualify that in, in the context of today's, mm-hmm. uh, today's endeavor. Uh, I am not as pompous uh, to view myself as an expert. There are many subject matter experts on this particular topic. Too many, some might say. Well, and they all have uh, their different perspectives. Uh, some are folks that have uh, uh, been on the road, uh, part of the uh, dead head. Or, okay, uh, drop oh, spoilers. <laughs> but I mean, it's, I, uh, we the, always get through spoilers in this, but right. I do like it. Okay. But we are here to talk, I believe, uh, uh, about the Grateful Dead. thought before we were going to do this uh, that everybody kind of knew who the Grateful Dead were and that I would approach this from a category of uh, misunderstood, meaning Mm -hmm. people brought to the table a preconceived notion of what the Grateful Dead were all about, and I would illuminate other aspects. But it occurs to me that perhaps 
people know too much about the or that I think people mm-hmm. know too much about the Grateful Dead, and maybe in fact they don't know anything. So I am wow. therefore here to offer my uh, my knowledge and uh, and perspective on any aspect of this uh, wonderful group. Amazing, and yeah, it is something where there are, like you said, there's different experts because this is something with a serious fandom. Oh yes, if, if that that might not even be the right word, mm-hmm. but. Compared to some of our other topics, it has a very serious fandom. But I think you're right. This do, that doesn't make it like any white less chicks. misunderstood. Mo- like movie White Chicks. The movie White Chicks <laughs> ha- does not have a deadhead group. Uh, so yeah, I think it's both misunderstood and maybe we are reaching a point where there's generations who just don't know. Period. They don't even know that they know Grateful Dead. They can't talk either. They're Babies. Yeah. The, the zygotes <laughs> don't know who Grateful Dead is at this point. But I don't know. Yeah, there's got to be some Zoomers, some Generation Z kids who, you know, spend a lot of time on TikTok and they don't know who the Grateful Dead, they heard the name and they're like, we don't know what that They is. might even have the bears tattooed on themselves, <laughs> but yeah. they don't know what it's from. I think that's kind of the point that uh, Grateful Dead is at at this point where they are a bit ubiquitous in culture, but that doesn't mean that... Uh, like the younger generations even know Uh, kind of the same way that we look at Looney Tunes cartoons, or at least I did. I was growing up with those cartoons and they're making references to movies, older films and things that I don't even know they're referencing those movies. So I'm referencing Looney Tunes, not knowing that I'm actually Mm -hmm. referencing Humphrey Bogart or something. So I think it's at that level, which is kind of makes it a, a very interesting topic to go through. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the generational aspect that you're that you're you're kind of touching on is interesting because uh, I've noticed uh, I, I I started going to and seeing and listening to the Grateful Dead in the late 1960s, and so throughout these decades up to even present time, you'll see many different generations at shows. I mean, you'll see like gray, you know hippie types with you know touch of gray yeah quote quote unquote hippie types with the you know that that are now in their 70s and and uh maybe even older yeah yeah and uh and and but you'll see young kids too you know uh who may have never seen the original grateful dead perform live but they go to the what i would call the continuation of the grateful dead dead and company is probably the 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 foremost one because it's basically uh, the uh, founders, the original Grateful Dead members, uh, obviously less Jerry uh, and uh, also less uh, Phil Lesh, who mm-hmm. doesn't tour with Dead and Company very much bec- for health reasons. But um, instead of Jerry, they have John Mayer. Ain't nobody messing with you, but you. Your friends are getting most concerned. Now, John Mayer is a very, you know, well-known name and, and yeah. person and, and musician yes. to the younger generation. So, so you have all this like mixture of of generational input and output and all that good stuff going on all the time. So that's kind of interesting too. Before we continue, I want to highlight one aspect of why you are 
an expert <laughs> on okay. this band, Robert Hunter, right? Aren't oh. you related to that person? Well, I'll elaborate on that because that is a uh, common uh, misconception. And by misconception... In the family. Okay. In the Hunter yeah. family. You, you didn't know? I had no idea. I've been, I've been lied to. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, well, uh, yeah, obviously my last name is Hunter, as, as is uh, Jay's. And, uh, and, and uh, you're referring to Robert Hunter, who's the lyricist of The Grateful Dead. Uh, very much a member of The Grateful Dead. Not just a lyricist, but he was, when The Grateful Dead were nominated to the uh, Hall of Fame, you know, the Cleveland uh, Hall of Fame thing that goes on all the time, Robert Hunter was uh, was nominated as a member of the band. And I believe he might be the only lyricist, or the, excuse me, the only non-performing member of a band who was nominated as part of the group into the Hall of Fame. That's super interesting. Yeah. yeah, that would yeah that wouldn't fly. You have other band members writing lyrics. Yeah. That's a common right. case. Fallout Boy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, years ago, uh, many years ago, uh, I saw Robert Hunter uh, play at a really small club in Northern Illinois called Harry Hopes, and it's a uh, kind of a famous place. It's long gone now, but uh, he came to play, and uh, I uh, went up to him and uh, said, uh, you know, uh, let, let me buy you a drink, you know, and he said, okay, I'll take, a, I think he did a wild turkey or something like that, you know, so. Uh, Great drink. Yeah, good drink. So, uh, you know, we were, so so that, I, I deservedly then was able to ask him some questions. <laughs> ask him to be related to him. Yeah, yeah, said, yeah. Can, can, can I, I tell start people? a rumor? <laughs> <laughs> so he told me that he was from Ayrshire, which is a uh, region of Scotland uh, near Glasgow. And, uh, and uh, my hunter clan also uh, <laughs> from that same region of Scotland. So it's, very com- it, it's a very common name, hunter. But it turns out that Robert Hunter's true original birth name was Robert Burns. And in fact, that he is related to Bobby Burns, the poet, mm-hmm. uh, in many generations. You know, like he's probably great, 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 great grandson. Or, uh, That's a twist. Yeah. And what happened Name's was... Mid- midpoint, midpoint escalation. <laughs> right. And so what happened was um, his, uh, his birth father l- left the family. And he, his mother married a guy whose last name was Hunter. And... He uh, took that uh, her his stepfather's uh, name, so he is Robert Hunter, but he is not really Robert Hunter. Uh, he is Robert Burns. So there's no connection. There is no real connection. <laughs> My now, whole 13 years of being with Jay Hunter, you've been uh, talking about I've it. Been, so I've much. been, yeah, I've been told lies. Is is that how he snagged you? He in, says in? he's like my uh, <laughs> yeah. father's cousin. Oh, okay. he okay. met you at a bar, bought you a wild turkey, and bragged about that connection <gasps> there. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, so now I've, <laughs> I've I've totally dashed that familial. Uh, uh, the, uh, connection but yeah. you did buy him a wild turkey so that's yeah. like family yeah to me that that would yeah. make you my oh I'll, I'll also uh uh tell you another funny story about robert hunter so uh years later he was playing at a at a, 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 a northwestern university um student union kind of kind of thing and uh 
uh, I went there with a friend of mine, and I had just bought this uh, BMW, and so we were, uh, you know, w- 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 went to the <laughs> went to the show. saw saw this was probably late seventies, uh, and uh, then uh, we were, were driving, returning back from the show. And I was kind of beat, so I asked my friend, you know, Bob, can you, uh, you know, uh, drive? And I'll just, I'll lay the seat back a little bit and snooze <laughs> while we go home. And he said, Sounds yes, like sir. a lot of um, experiences were had. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when you're so, right. <laughs> so tired you can't drive. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's excited because he's driving my BMW, right? Mm-hmm. And so he gets a little, you know, pumped up on the, mm-hmm. <laughs> his uh, pedal, uh, pedal gets a little heavy. So uh, we get pulled over by, by a cop. And uh, uh, the, the you know cop looks at our license, questions of what, what we're up to. And we, we're matter of fact. We say, yeah, we just saw a Robert Hunter show, and we're just going home. And I told the guy I'm kind of tired, so I asked my friend to drive. And he, and he <clears throat> kind of says, Robert Hunter, Grateful Dead. And uh, I said, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he wasn't with the Grateful Dead that night. He was just performing solo. He said, uh, all right, get out of here. Yeah. Oh, so the heads are all around looking out <clears throat> for each other. And so that brings me to another kind of, uh, cli- uh, not cliche, but saying, but when you talk about the Grateful Dead community, there's a saying, we are everywhere. And that what, what that means is we are, we, we deadheads exist in all walks of life. Now, to see if uh, there's another lie running in the family, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see to highlight your experiences, though, traveling with Gra- the Grateful Dead yes. and working for them. Working? Ooh, okay. <laughs> okay. Working uh, sound-related, like speakers. That, that's what I've been fed Maybe for 13 years. Maybe plugged in a speaker once oh, okay. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's <laughs> okay. I... <laughs> I believe I know what you're talking about now. Um, uh, I have never worked for the Grateful Dead. Uh, my former wife uh, has worked for the Grateful Dead. I believe that she was uh, uh, a na- she worked at a, as a nanny for Keith and Donna Godshaw, two members of the Grateful Dead from 1971 through 1978 or nine, and basically she took care of their child Zion Godshaw. Uh, there is also uh, a side connection with regards to sound in that uh, the speakers in this studio have uh, a designation bag and Roger's pointing at speakers. Right, in the studio. <laughs> and those are actually made by a company uh, in Illinois called Bag End, and they make uh, the, uh, speakers in the, uh, that type of equipment. And the origin of that company was that they kind of uh, coupled up to some extent with the Grateful Dead sound folks. So there's some there's some interchange uh, in that in that respect. That's so very that, vague yeah. compared to my father worked for Grateful Dead. <laughs> yeah, well, I, has yeah. the same speakers. 
Right. You mean? Right. Also from <laughs> Illinois, like the speakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, oh, so I'm I, just learning that my husband has been lying to me about yeah, multiple yeah. things <laughs> my whole life. Well, he, I think he needs to listen to this podcast. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'll is force him. The is the big issue. Right. He's gonna learn what he needs to learn by listening to this. So, uh, w- was there another? part uh that was working and then there was something else what uh traveling in that, in that question? traveling with them yeah. like since lexi jay's mom yeah. uh, and your former wife was taking pictures and babysitting right like taking pictures for fun but like some of those pictures ended up in uh books even about the grateful dead i've seen it with my own eyes um yeah uh, <laughs> like i'm like afraid, like, afraid to say anything to be true. <laughs> afraid this to say has. anything yeah. uh but you traveled with them right a bunch yeah okay uh i believe the photographs you're talking about that she took um were taken um uh i believe uh mostly the the, the ones that have been published and 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 there have been one or two published uh, one as uh, specifically as uh, CD uh, f- uh, art photo, mm-hmm. you know, that was in like a CD box set that was one of her photos. And she took a bunch of photos uh, during the what's called the Wall of Sound era. And uh, by Wall of Sound, I don't mean Phil Spector Wall of Sound. Um, in the shut s- up, I love Phil Spector. <laughs> right, 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 friend of the pod. Still wait, still waiting on that guest. Yeah, right. Um, this Wall of All of Sound, uh, I don't know if how much you you may or may not know, but I'll just kind of briefly Nothing. explain it. Okay, uh, the Grateful Dead have always been, you know, super into sound, and so uh, they. Uh, created this gargantuan uh, sound system which was uh, just mind-blowing that they would travel with and and you know when i say mind-blowing the speaker columns there's hundreds of speakers on on this uh, on the stage and they would go up like 50 feet up in the air and it, it was just incredible so anyway uh this was kind of 73 74 time frame and i know that uh she had uh taken some photos, I believe mostly at, at the Des Moines, Iowa fairgrounds in 1973 at that show. Uh, I was also at that show, but I didn't know her at that time. So, mm. And anyway, those are the photos that, um, that uh, you right. speak of. Um, oh, travel. No, travel. Okay, we we, we travel. didn't hit on that. Yeah, there's some more basis of reality in that. Oh, wow. Uh, thank yeah, God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thank God. <laughs> there have always been uh, groups uh, familiarly called deadheads that have uh, some of whom make it have made it a livelihood so to speak to travel from show to show with the grateful dead so the grateful dead will generally do like they'll do a you know a, a spring tour in the you know on the west coast where it's warm then they'll do a summer tour maybe on the east coast and then they'll do a you know i mean fall tour in the south or something like that and so uh these souls uh many of whom you know uh, are, are uh, uh, very diverse in in like vehicles, you know, anywhere from just cars to school buses to, to BMWs, to brand B- new BMWs, to B- BMWs to any Volkswagen buses. You know, my favorite, you know, yeah, Life yeah. I think yeah. that's the like that's the image people would have. Yeah, of yeah. The deadheads traveling with them is like yeah. the VW buses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so uh, those folks would travel, and a lot of them, you know, they would make T-shirts. You know, they would like silk screen their own T-shirts. They might, um, they might uh, cook uh, food, like uh, you know, uh, uh, falafel. <laughs> and there was this whole marketplace called the parking lot, and uh, 
you know from show to show these people go from show to show and then you know they would kind of support their you know get their gas money and you know uh, you know uh, support themselves along the way by selling their you know t-shirts their their uh, you know uh, stir fry or, or you know uh, their handmade homemade jewelry you know you know whatever hippie life yeah yeah well whatever kind of stuff so um, uh, I was never a part of that kind of retinue of, of or mode of travel but I did uh, and, and many of my friends did this we would plot out the the tour we would see the dates of the tour and then we would you know depending on how much money we had and how much you know uh, time availability because you know you have you have a job maybe or you you know mm. you know so you, you, you can't go to every single show generally some but, did you know, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Or a lot of times they'll come to a place like um, there was a uh, what I what I call the Midwest Mecca. Uh, Alpine Valley, which was up in uh, southern Wisconsin, and then th they would play multiple nights. So they would play four nights. So you could go there and uh, stay at a nearby hotel or, or a campground or something, and and get your tickets for all four nights, and then just you know like just live there and party down during the day and go to the shows at night. And it was a you know it's a it's a really unique experience. That's what the fandom really is all about. Yeah, because I'm sure there's people for other uh, bands and musical artists that do something similar, but there's yeah. something about the culture for Grateful Dead is is more conducive to that, would you say? Yeah, I, I would say the band that's probably uh, closest to the Grateful Dead in terms of, the, of that is probably Fish. They kind of uh, drew a lot of fan base uh, out of the Dead group, also. So you had Deadheads, who very, very frequently became also Fishheads, mm -hmm. and because Fish also was kind of a jam band in in a, in a sense, and they would you know travel and stuff. And I think they still do. In fact, Trey Anastasio, who has uh, of Fish, who has played with the Grateful Dead, also um, you know I, I think uh, they kind of adopt kind of many of the same kind of traits you know so you have that same uh traveling kind of mentality going on but i don't think other groups i'm trying to think ween do they travel like that <laughs> they travel quite a bit i feel like never knew the man but he was a good friend of mine so long i'll see And it's about yeah the 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 majority of fans are like a big group of fans who is partaking in that versus just a small group right yeah. that seems to be the the big difference yeah I mean the Grateful Dead have always been a live band their their records uh, never you know with some exceptions never really um, you know became that popular uh, but they always made all their money most all their money based on live live shows in fact for many uh, 
years, they were the you know top three or four touring bands in terms of, of income of all the bands. So you know they're very much a live band traveling group. Joe, what's your um, experience with the Grateful Dead? So I was definitely familiar with them and listened to them kind of like uh, Touch of Grey played a lot on MTV when I was young. Like the mm -hmm. music video yeah. was very popular. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of my main injection into it when I was young. And then hearing a bit of uh, songs on the radio. But really... Uh, as I was re-listening to it over the last couple of days, like a bunch mm -hmm. of the, the yeah. albums you had suggested and whatnot, there was a lot of songs that I just was had never heard, and then some that I was like, oh, that song's Grateful Dead. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. I, yeah. I knew that song, but I didn't know. Uh, so they're kind of in that that part of my life, and I remember going to like stores like Anchor Blue and stuff, and they would have the little Grateful Dead bears, like as... <laughs> um, decals you could put on your car and stuff yeah. i remember that and feeling like okay that the grateful dead is this one thing now it's like this uh, mm -hmm. there's decals but i was never like super into it but it was definitely something that i was aware of growing up but never like took that time to just listen to it on my own until recently so uh Two yeah days ago yeah a couple days ago yeah <laughs> very recent that's okay that's cool yeah but it's definitely one of those bands where it's like there's a lot of knowledge of the culture, I think, at least for my generation. There's like a disconnect of maybe the listening. Yeah, I am 13, everybody. Uh, but there's a disconnect to maybe like listening to it or having it on your radio stations or your Spotify playlist. But there's a knowledge of like deadheads and what the band means to the culture that seems to be there. Yeah. But maybe not as much of an appreciation for the music. What about you, Sasha? My husband. My lying husband. Okay, you, who knows if what you know is true, really? <laughs> who knows if what he played was great, the Grateful Dead. But um, anytime we'd go on the trip or like even just driving out of town or just like driving to Santa Barbara, um, back in the days when people were traveling. Um, yeah, no, he would like often play the Grateful Dead. It was it definitely is one of the go-to music to play when on the road. And... I think that it's it's absolutely appropriate for like just feels great playing the dead when you're driving uh, on the road and or coming out of like a psychedelic trip. I feel like those are like the best <laughs> context uh, settings for the Grateful Dead. And yeah, like that that's that's where my knowledge kind of stops until this morning where I, I <laughs> ingested a lot. I ingested um, parts one, two, and five of. Roger is pleasantly surprised. He thought I did no research. <laughs> no, parts one, two, and five of uh, Alone... What is it? It's strange, uh, a Long Strange Trip. A Long Strange Trip, uh, which is Amazon a, documentary. Yeah, yeah, terrific Amazon documentary yeah, by uh, Amir Bevlev. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and listened um, to a bunch of albums as well over the last couple of days. So that's where I stand. I think that it's uh, very profound what bio the biographer, one of the main biographers for The Grateful Dead, says in part one of the... For aforementioned documentary that 
there's so much noise, quote-unquote, surrounding the Grateful Dead, like the fans, the merchandise, the fact that they are mostly live band and they travel, uh, that it's hard to really sometimes for people to commit to the actual music and connect to it and allow this music to mm. enter. And I felt like that exactly is what happened because the more there's pressure on me to, it's always been that way, like the more pressure is on me, especially with music, to listen to something and like, allow this to happen to me, like to listen and allow this music into my life, the more I'll push back. And yeah. it's it's just like the noise factor, I think, whether, you know, it's uh, welcome maybe for somebody who's already a fan of the Grateful Dead, but somebody who is uninitiated, it can be um, overwhelming. And I'm one of those overwhelmed people. That was going to be my point with like why this is a good band for Shut Up, I Love It, despite mm. being obviously well known and well loved. It is, I think, many people, they don't see music. They see this whole big thing they see a big kingdom they have to ingest yeah and maybe don't even see it as music and that's um also because i think the music is a little bit it's not pop you right. know it is definitely jam bandy it's uh some of i want to hear about that because roger has strong feelings about them calling them jam band right am i right i'll be happy to address that but i, I just want to come back to something joe said in terms of you know what when he when he knew about the Grateful Dead and he mentioned Touch of Grey, and uh, I'll I'll just uh, kind of plot that on the on the Grateful Dead timeline, with respect to what happened and, and it kind of touches upon your thing about the what else comes with all that stuff right so in the in the in the beginning there there were you know uh, again live live a lot of live performances uh, you know just literally uh, thousands of, of them. Uh, and, uh, you know, you go to them and you, you know, you, you meet people that you only see at Grateful Dead shows, you know, <laughs> hey, hey, yeah, you were here during the spring tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to see you again. How's it going? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of it was kind of a community. Then the Grateful Dead just kind of, you know, rolls along doing this, getting kind of bigger and bigger. And then all of a sudden, I can't remember which year it was. I think it was in the mid 80s. Touch of Grey comes out. Touch of Grey, I believe, uh, I believe Truckin' also became number one in some some parts of the country, but Touch of Grey just like went boom to the top number one. And all of a sudden, you had tens of thousands more people arriving to the, the shows. Just like people who, you know, like, you know, frat boys, for lack of a better mm. word, you know? And they'd be hanging around the bar at the at the show waiting for touch of gray so it got to the point where the band was being refused the ability to play at certain venues because people would come and if they couldn't get in they would just party in the parking lot so it would be like you'd have, you know, 30,000 people at this arena, you know, uh, outdoor arena, indoor, whatever, depending on the time of the year. And then you'd have another 30,000 people outside. And it got to the point where some, especially, 
you know, during the summers, uh, some of the people outside would try to break in, you know, so to scale the, the fences mm-hmm. and all that. And it, like zombies. Yeah, and, and it got, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And it got kind of out of hand. And it got out of the hand to the point where the Grateful Dead even wrote letters to the fans, you know, like, I mean, you know, the kind of like parking lot, maybe a graph kind of letter, uh, you know, or, 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 you know, the kind of uh, paper drop, you know, from a yeah. plane. Kind no of, social media no, post. It right, was right, 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 right. get a plane. And it was like entreating, you know, please, if you don't have a ticket, don't come. Be aware of what's of what you're doing. You know, don't don't piss on people's lawns. Don't, you know, you know, all this mm-hmm. kind of kind of stuff. And it got it just got to the point where where you know the the, the scene was just uh, too intense you know and getting back to your thing about the music so so there's all this side things going on you know you, you go you know it's the journey to the show you'd be going down the highway and there'd be you know like six other cars with Grateful Dead stickers on everybody's you know partying and waving yeah. at each other out and then you get to the you get to the to the show of the parking lot and there'd be tens of thousands of people there and it's, it's all you know it's the marketplace it's the everybody you know people's got people have flags they're flying which are you know the grateful dead bears or the mm-hmm. grateful dead you know skull and roses emblem and there's like impromptu band setups like you know there'll be a drummer who all of a sudden starts drumming and you know and these other people kind of join in and so it's it's just this whole scene you know and it's just it's it's just uh i mean there, there are a lot of good things about it but there's a lot of uh it became where there was a lot of potential for uh for downside stuff you know bad stuff yeah yeah and keeping it that's gonna keep out casuals <clears throat> but also yeah. you want a bit of casuals kept out because look what they do yeah now if you watch uh, uh all of the uh, episodes of that uh, Barlev uh, documentary, Long Strange Trip, uh, it, it chronicles this whole this whole uh, timeline, you know. So, uh, in in a very good, although at the end kind of a sad way, you know. Part six. Yeah, yeah. Because, Not looking forward to it. It's going to get sad. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, uh, you know, Jerry. Uh, you know, a lot of it focuses on Jerry, uh, you know, because really he was the, I don't want to say brains behind the band, but, but you know, the, the spirit behind the band. But he was, he was, uh, he, he didn't want that, you know, and uh, people were, were making him into a messiah-like figure. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and he, he really kind of rejected that as much as he could, but it was very difficult because he was put on this, you know this pedestal that uh, was just too much you know and mm-hmm. he and he himself uh, you know succumbed to uh, various addictions throughout and you know at one point had a you know he they were performing at uh, an outdoor venue and it was like in the hundreds of degrees and you know they did two shows in two days and it was you know it was like heat and he went into a diabetic coma and he uh, and everybody thought oh my god that that's the end and uh, he recovered, but he had to learn how to play the guitar again. And uh, it was, uh, you know, a very sobering kind of episode. And, you know, towards the end, I remember I saw him, I saw the Grateful Dead at the last show, the last show, July 9th, 1995, at Soldier Field in Chicago. From the land of the midnight sun, where the ice blue roses grow. Long as And uh, I was in like the fifth row, and I was uh, 
right in front of uh, the, the the band and i was talking to these two guys who were who were uh, sitting next to me and uh, they had never been to a grateful dead show they just kind of decided to go and i was talking to them and i was explaining and i made the comment i said well you know you, you got to go to every show you can you know because you never know when the last show is going to be and mm -hmm. about three rows ahead of me <laughs> this girl kind of a, you know hippie chick kind of girl swung back and gave me the dirtiest look <laughs> you know like how dare you how dare you say that you speak know? the truth yeah and mm -hmm. i i kind of you know i i, I kind of caught her out of the corner of my eye and i was talking to these guys and i said uh just look at the guy you know because at that point at that show um he was uh you know just ashen you know he was he was you know too overweight uh, he 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 didn't look good, you know, and uh, uh, you know. It turns out, three weeks later, he died uh, of, a, of a heart attack. He his very that was his the last show, but his last thing. I just read about this this morning, which I didn't know. But um, Bob Dylan, who uh, thought very highly of, of Jerry Garcia, they were in fact they they once did this big tour together, and uh, also did a you know put an LP out, but. Uh, he was gonna. Uh, Dylan said, "I'm gonna do this uh, this uh, uh, this tribute album to Jimmy Rogers, uh, old country and western guy. Could you do a track on it? You know." And so he said, uh, Jerry Garcia said, uh, "Yeah, I'll do. Uh, I'll, I want to do Blue Yodel Number Nine, which is a, a classic Jimmy Rogers tune." Oh, lady, oh, lady, lady. His last thing that he ever did musically was kind of an Americana piece. You know? Which is where he started. Yeah, Because he exactly. started uh, playing banjo. Uh, banjo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which a lot of people don't know. A lot of people think, oh, oh, Grateful Dead, Jerry Garcia, the you know, dark star, you know, doing the, uh, what a fr oh, friend of mine uh, described as noodling, meaning just kind of, you know, you know, picking and jamming and stuff. But Dark Star is, you know, is an incredible piece of music. But it, and it's interesting because, like many of the tunes, when you listen to a Dark Star that was played in 1969, and you listen to a Dark Star that was played in kind of like a, a more jazzy time period, like in the mid mid 70s, and then you listen to a Dark Star like that, maybe they didn't play it for 10 years, and then. They bring it back at a show in Hampton Coliseum in 1990, and, and it's like a totally different kind of dark star, but it's still the same song.
And that's what Jerry was all about, right? Like you're not human if you don't keep constantly changing and evolving. Yeah, right. And so obviously he right. treated music with the same attitude. Yeah, so like their their power in a way in that jam band, mm -hmm. whether, whether we like that term or not, is kind of a, a huge strength because you could go to a Motley Crue concert and speaking of last tours, they've had like 20 last tours. Like <laughs> every year there's, it's our last tour tour. <laughs> it's always so sad um, when somebody does that. Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> okay, I know this isn't the last one, but you're going to have the same, they're going to play the same song. They're yeah. going to play it the same, but there's something to this music where they've given it room to kind of be different every time yeah and that's very cool yeah in fact uh the grateful dead were famous for every night it was a different totally different show that's why people would go i mean they would play like four nights in a row at some place or in madison square garden for example that sometimes would pay play for like seven nights and each night would be totally different so people want to go for each show they wouldn't want to i mean you wouldn't want to go well maybe i i uh, I don't know much about the Motley Crue fandom, but I don't either. I, 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 I don't know why I brought them up. <laughs> I don't imagine you would go to, you know, seven straight shows of a group like that, or, you know, knowing that they would play the same the tunes same set list, in, in the same, same order and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Whereas the Grateful Dead, it was a new show every, every time. Now, even to this day. So, so what happened as a result of that was another, another fortuitous thing which was they taped all their shows. That, was, that effort was primarily driven by this guy called, they nicknamed Bear, Augustus Owsley, who was also known as the, uh, one of the <clears throat> big Bay Area manufacturers of LSD. And uh, so he was also their sound man. And so he- Not you, he was the sound man. Yeah, according to us, you recorded every single one of their albums. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I, I did do a lot of... I was involved in a lot of audience taping in the, in right. the, in the, in the early days. And in fact, uh, this is another, another unique thing about The Grateful Dead. Um, uh, the Grateful Dead allowed tapers right. to come into the shows, and they even would have a taper section, mm -hmm. which would be near the soundboard, where, where the, you know, you'd get the, you know, the, the best, oh, and, and people would bring their Nakamichi decks, right. and their, and their technology, Sennheiser, Technology you know? started allowing mm -hmm. for the first time, and they just embraced it, and, and yeah. in fact, that increased their uh, fandom, eventually. Yeah. yeah, because what people would do would be, they, they started to trade all these, all these uh, cassettes. And so, uh, you know, in some case, even reels. But um, so I was a part of that early scene where I, I would be trading a lot of uh, but, uh, cassettes with other, other traders and doing some taping and stuff like that. But the sound man was Augustus, not you. Well, yeah, I mean, the Grateful Dead sound man was, was Owsley. Yeah. He was the guy who made all the LSD that, the, that was you know, available, and uh, he also uh, f uh, uh, financed uh, the Wall of Sound uh, and all the, all the other uh, uh, electronic stuff that the, that the Grateful Dead did sound-wise. It's pretty interesting to know that they've recorded most or you know, a bunch of their shows live, because I was thinking recently why more bands aren't doing that. Yeah. But if my favorite bands, my favorite artists were like, hey, I toured, here's 13 albums of the, like, from 50 shows that I did this year, mm -hmm. I might buy every single one. 
Yeah. I might check it out because I do that when I go on YouTube. I'll just watch live performances of the same song, different nights, and it's all Mm -hmm. shitty. But so I don't know why that's not embraced more (coughs) now when it's even easier to record all those tracks and release them. Yeah, exactly. In fact, uh, uh, one of the... things that the one of the activities recording wise that the grateful dead do now is they put out their old shows and uh for example uh they just put out i guess remastering is what the term is where, where they you know you know take take all the um acoustics and like sharpen them up and you know make, make you know kind of like make them make it as bad as best they can the uh box set is a 20 cd box set wow <laughs> and it's seven shows you know mm-hmm. but they release they're releasing all this uh, uh content that they did like 20 30 years ago you know the the st louis shows are from 1971 72 and 73 there's this whole collection they call dick's picks because it was named mm-hmm. after this guy dick Latvala, who was the in charge of the Grateful Dead vault. That's what they called it, right? Mm-hmm. And so he would go and listen to all these tapes and, and he would put out like, uh, you know, the the uh, Cornell, you know, 77 show. And th- that is like one of the super well-known shows, like one of the best of the best that the Grateful Dead ever did was Cornell, May 8th, 1977. must be pretty incredible to even have something that is agreed upon universally (laughs) right for after touring that much and recording them that's pretty incredible What was it that got you into them? Your relationship to the music? Was it the music, the culture, both? And like, if you could speak to that. Yeah. When one is a junior and senior in high school, you go through, the, the, uh, historically, you go through this process of uh, visiting colleges, right? It's like a time-honored thing, if, you, if that's your, if that's your tra- trajectory. So, you know, back in, this would have been, 1969 uh, Washington University in St. Louis was like one of the schools I had I think uh, uh, I think Northern Illinois University <laughs> was my was my backup and and you know so I thought okay well let's go visit you know the campus and stuff but anyway so I went there and coincidentally uh, the dead were playing on campus <laughs> uh, uh, when I was there and after the show I thought yeah, I think this is where I'm going to go. I think this is where I want to go. <laughs> if these guys are here, yeah. I guess wow. I'll go. Why? Why did you think that? <clears throat> because I was just amazed uh, with this band. I thought, oh my God, I, I've never heard anything like this. Mm-hmm. 
side of bed The covers were still warm Where you did lay This is outrageous, you know. I want to definitely be a part of this, you know. It's alright, I love you. That's not gonna change. And uh, as it turned out, the Grateful Dead had a great affinity for St. Louis, uh, the Fox Theater in particular. Uh, I think they were all these burlesque movie houses of the 20s. I think that that's when they were, you know, so mm. so the lobbies are, you know, they're, they're very ornate, uh, you know, all it's all plush, uh, you know, very, very high end, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but also very good acoustics. And, th- and I think that's what, uh, why they enjoyed it so much. But they would come back to, they would come to St. Louis, and it was weird, like in the early times, like in the 70 and 71, they would come and they, and they would they would um, call the uh, Washington University Student Union, and they would say, "Hey, does anyone have like a car they can take us around?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you think of a rock group these days as you know they've got like an army of limos that you know mm-hmm. are going from you know you know one the the airport to the hotel to the, you know, to the venue and you know that's it. But uh, they would go, "Oh yeah, yeah, I, I, Bob Weir need, wants to buy a pair of pants." Uh, can you take Classic him to Bob? You know, can, can you take? Can someone drive him to, to Gypsy Cowboy? You know, and uh, so you know, that, that's how they were. They would come up to uh, the students' uh, uh, off-campus housing, like come over. I remember uh, one day, uh, you know, you know, Mickey Hart is is walking with a friend of mine up to uh, who was a nut, was a drummer also, uh, walking up to you know just hang out and you know. So at that point. You know, at that time, it was very, you know, they were very accessible. Anyway, so that's kind of how I kind of became uh, a fan. And that was your first time listening to them was at that show? Or yeah. were you familiar? Oh, wow, yeah. cool. Yeah, but then it came where every time they came to St. Louis, and they came to St. Louis like over the next three years probably, I don't know, maybe uh, ten times. You know, so you know, I'd see them all, all ten times. Uh, you know, it was, it was quite a, quite an adventure. Did the people around <clears throat> you, all of them, like them? Uh, my circle of friends were all. Um, fans. I did have uh, some friends who were into, they were more into uh, the Rolling Stones. But with respect to the dead, uh, yeah, there, there were probably some people who, you know, were like, eh, I could take it or leave it. You know, they want pop music. They want, or they want, they want dance music. Or, you know, and, and mm-hmm. the Grateful Dead can play dance music, but they also, 
you know, they do a very jazzy thing. They do a, you know, a, a approach. They do, you know, uh, they do a lot of different stuff. And it's about, yeah, what you want to do, right? Like yeah. I have a friend who's a great guitarist. He could potentially play like uh, pop metal, just mm-hmm. like the most popular type of metal. But really he's been so into jazz guitar for the past five years. And yeah. there's a big audience for jazz guitar, but not as much for pop metal. So it's like, you just, what are you going to do? Go against what you want to do just because it's going to get you more uh, CD sales. But I think the scruffiness and the uh, uninterrupted flow of it, which is its strength for this band, of course, and why they stand out. It also can be a turnoff for some people with, you know, basic music understanding like myself. Uh, I think I understand what you're saying. Because a lot of their songs, like uh, like uh, like Dark Star, uh, can go on from from fifteen to forty five minutes, you know, and and uh, and uh, you know they have songs like Playing in the Band, where they will start playing in the band, and ten minutes later they'll go into um, uh, Not Fade Away, and then they'll go play that for another fifteen minutes, and then. And then they'll go into a, you know a, a, a wharf rat, and they'll play that, and then they'll come back and start playing playing in the band again, kind of like a whole mm-hmm. circle. And that whole thing might might have gone on for for forty five minutes, you know. But one of the album's choices or, or uh, suggestions that I made was uh, two albums uh, that came out in nineteen seventy, uh, American Beauty and Working Man's Dead. And those are the complete antithesis of the jam band. And those are my me- favorites. Mentality. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, but but what they what they did was, or what they have done is, uh, since then, is they taking those songs like Uncle John's Band, which is on one of those albums, and they they can play it for you know three minutes, like on the album, or they can play it for thirty five minutes, like they do live. Well, the first days are the hardest days, don't you worry anymore. Cause when life looks like easy street, there is danger at your door. Think this through with me, let me know your mind. You know, so they they they're constantly kind of stretching what they've done in the past, kind of, you know, constantly changing and, and mm-hmm. kind of just just like where can we take this? Where can we go with this? Because you know you have to remember they are a, kind of a well, you know, uh, Garcia banjo out of bluegrass. You know that's his heritage. Uh, Phil Lesh, contemporary classical composers. Uh, Bob Weir, kind of. Um, the rhythm guitarist, kind of a, a country and western kind of thing, you know, singing those kinds of songs. Um, Pigpen, they're one of their original founders, uh, coming out of the blues world. Bill Kreutzmann, one of the drummers, kind of coming out of a uh, a, a marching band background. Uh, Mickey Hart, their other drummer, coming from a you know kind of a world music. Mm-hmm ethnomusicology kind of background and putting the, all those things together they, they all they, they have these opportunities to just go like in all these different places it's it, it, it's uh, it's unreal mm-hmm. 
I don't know how long more you want. It's like a big meta text, you know? It's like almost like all the one band making something out of all of kinds of music into one, into one flow. Yeah, a, re- a respect for all the music and no like ego to be like, we are a rock band. We are a yeah. bluegrass right. band, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing, like you're talking about the hearing all the little parts of the music or, you know, we we're just talking mm-hmm. about that. It's reminded me recently I had been, I bought a bunch of CDs for albums that I liked. Uh, physical CDs? Phys- physical CDs, the real CDs and started listening them in, into my car. And they're songs I've listened to so many times yeah. uh, on Spotify or whatever. And I think there's something to be said about how we are firmly in the streaming era of music. We have been now for, a long time two years two years only <laughs> the the long time of two years and i wonder what a band like this you lose from just throwing it on spotify through even your laptop speakers or something like that in any band really and i think it's something to keep an eye on if you really love music is that you do have to go out of your way to listen to it the right way because the the populist way that we get the music now it doesn't do it justice. And I, I do remember the days of, uh, you know, getting high, sitting in my car with friends, had nowhere to go, listening to a CD and being like, wow, the music, it just like, it sounds different. Is it because we're high? It's like, <laughs> no, it's because you have the physical format that has higher quality tracks. You're blasting it through this like five speakers, yeah. all doing something different. But also because you were high. And a little bit because it was high, <laughs> yeah. but that means something. And it does make me, uh, you know, I kind of want to try not to experience new music through just my laptop speakers right. uh, on Spotify. When music was made uh, in the album area era, uh, it was meant to be from start to finish in a certain order. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you listen, and even, even I, when I, because, you know, maybe because I'm, I'm older now, that's still the way I listen to stuff. I rarely will listen to like, oh, track, uh, you know, this particular track. And then, you know, after that's off, like, like a Spotify would be, mm-hmm. you know, like a, what, what do you call it? Shuffle almost. You yeah, know? yeah. You know, I, I, I never do that. I always start from the beginning of the concept as the artist, I think, intended to, yeah. the, to, the, to the end. There's a three-act structure, to, I'm sure, for... There can there can be. But, yeah, you wonder how many albums are... Like, like albums created after the streaming era yeah. are actually designed like that versus designed mm-hmm. more for, like, oh, we need the single to hit on track two yeah. and track five. Mm. Uh, so I wonder the value in doing that for uh, albums that weren't made that way. But, yeah, there's there's quite a few albums that I, like, yeah, I have to listen to them front to back because there is something sonically yeah. to that yeah is there anything else we haven't covered oh there's lots probably a million things <laughs> but, i have a feeling this could be a four-hour episode yeah. if we let it yeah and if there's anything else we have uh that we haven't covered we can use that information in the ratings this is how ratings work we're gonna rate the grateful dead on a scale of zero to ten uh, and we're going to use something else as a reference, and it can be anything. It could be something similar to Grateful Dead, like the Rolling Stones, we mentioned them, are a 10, Grateful Dead's a 9. Or it could be something as obscure as chocolate chip cookies are an 8, Grateful Dead's a 10. Anything you want. And if that's confusing at all, me and Sasha will go first. 
Why don't you start? I'm going to go first. I am going to choose, uh, uh, for my comparison, a musical group with a big fandom, a big passionate fandom that I am not very familiar with their music. And I'm going to choose BTS, the Korean boy band, mm. BTS. Strong choice. I think there's some similarities, not one-to-one, obviously, just even generationally and how the music uh, gets put out there. But uh, I don't know much about BTS. I know more about their fans than I do music, and that's the same for Grateful Dead. Uh, and I'm going to say um, BTS, I'm going to give an eight. I hear their fans doing a lot of socially conscious stuff, making a lot of uh, impact uh, with the internet and things like that. So I'll give them an eight. Uh, I think I've actually listened to less BTS than I have Grateful Dead, though. (laughs) So uh, Grateful Dead, I'm going to go ahead and give an eight as well. I think BTS and Grateful Dead share DNA. What a compliment. Uh, Roger, Roger's processing it. It really depends who you are, if that's a compliment or not. All right, I'll go next. Um, I'm not a musical person. I keep saying it, but uh, it's important for me to just lead with that because even after listening to a few albums of The Grateful Dead, I am mostly fascinated with just Jerry Garcia himself and his story and who he was. And those are the most uh, exciting moments for me were like to see... Even in his him being the musician and how he was treated as a prophet, but also how he would create the space and of course the whole band, but he still was the leader of the band. Come on, like he would create the space for people to basically go to the show, possibly have psychedelics. It's like a very welcome, um, uh, you know, activity, and then go through this like life-changing journey like night after night on psychedelics in the crowd of people and then he would sing these ballads that would bring him them back into like sort of the human experience and to me like that's the most fascinating about it like this creating space for psychedelic experiences and also like adding such humanity to um to to complement the growth of uh, each participant in this group mind activity so that's like the most fascinating aspect for me of the grateful dead i am going to uh compare the grateful dead very controversially against ween oh wow (laughs) controversially because of course jay hunter my lying husband supposedly (laughs) has a podcast called pod ween satan about ween i'm gonna give ween which i also have been forced forced to listen to similarly on road trips uh, for the most part, I'm going to give Ween an eight. I think uh, there's a lot of songs I won't listen to, but there's some really good songs. And I think they really kind of capture also the, what I call the voice of the mushrooms. Like there's certain songs that they have this distortion to them that like really makes you almost get back into like psychedelic state mm. where you are in mushrooms. And I feel like it's kind of crazy and unique. I don't know. I'll give it an eight to Ween. Um, and to Grateful Dead, I'll give it a 10. Whoa! I I don't understand them fully, but I feel like if only I dedicated my time to give that music uh, a chance to affect me, it definitely would. Here's the thing: I can't even write with music on because when I do hear music and if I like it, I become like 
like I, I can't do anything else. It, it's mm-hmm. too overwhelming emotionally that I, I can't even like, like I have to write in total silence. So that's an example of like, if I were to give that s- myself space to be affected by the Grateful Dead music based on the albums I listen to today and the uh, history of Jerry Garcia and his uh, interesting uh, persona, I feel like I could, I could definitely be into it. But again, I'm not rating the fans because I don't, I don't know about the fans. I don't know if I would like them. I don't like crowds, all right? I'm weird. No. I don't like crowds. <laughs> I don't like live performances either. That's another thing. But not I'm just, the band for you. No, not know. the band for me, but I'll give it a 10. Not because I'm trying to please somebody, but because this <laughs> is the truth. Roger, the father of my lying husband, what is your scale? What does it look like? Well, I don't know if I really can think of anyone on a comparative level to use. But you, Sasha, said another, you used another phrase, life-changing. And I can only say that the music of the Grateful Dead has been life-changing in my life. And how can you give that anything other than a 10? Bam. Well, Roger, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. It's been a long time in the planning. The COVID epidemic has postponed this episode, but we're lucky to have you. Thank you for being here. It was a pleasure. Thank you both. Thank you. Uh, Joe, is there anything you'd like to plug? Let's see. Go over to JoeCabello.com. I got Bottoms Up Hard Liquor. Not literally liquor but the comic book you can go pick it that up <laughs> digitally or paperback copy copies so go copies. check that out copies get, get those copies while they are still hot off the presses thank you elizabeth salute for the artwork thank you mr owl another great musician for this amazing track and thank you for listening all i know is something like a bird within her sing Sing a little while and then flew on Tell me all that you know I'll show you Snow and rain When you hear that same sweet song again Will you know why? So sweet is passing by
something like a bird within her sing. 